0: The Six Seventy to the score fly, the W podcast. This is episode 15. It is season one. How low? How about we go six in a row low? One of the things we've been promising on this podcast is to introduce you to some of the up and comers for the Chicago Cubs. This Sunday is going to be the start of the Major League Baseball draft. So let's take a look and see who might be some of the newest Cubs. And we're going to check in with the north side bound guys. Joining us now on Fly the W is Greg Zumak. You can find him at Ivy Futures and one of my favorite sites, Northside Bound. And in Northside Bound, they really look at young Cubs, and that's why it's going to be perfect to have Greg on today. Thank you for joining us, Greg.
1: Hey, I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks so much. Pleasure. Now, uh,
0: this Sunday is the draft, and, you know, a lot of people don't understand how the baseball draft works. And that's why I wanted to have you on is that when you do the football draft or the basketball draft, whoever you get in a a top 10 pick, you are expecting an immediate return the next year. Baseball works very differently with the draft. Can you tell our listeners how the baseball draft works and, and why it is so different from those other drafts?
1: Totally. You know what? I think that's a perfect kind of corollary, right? Because if we compare it to football, we compare it to basketball, You're talking about, like, hey, maybe this guy's an all star next year. Baseball is a whole different beast here. So when we talk about baseball taking guys, people know the minor leagues, right? Like, but almost 100% of all players that are drafted will, you know, the plan is for them to go to the minor leagues. And we're not talking for 50 games and double A and then he's up to the bigs. That's really, really rare. We're talking about guys that are taking. 21 20 19 18 17 years old in some cases who might be in the minor leagues for five six years and they're like completely on track so one of the big questions that I always get is well but the cubs need pick a position right like pitcher historically it's been like well the cubs need pitching so we should take an ace well yeah that'd be great I'm all about it but you don't draft for need and you can say that about the other drafts but like you definitely say it for for baseball you're talking about probably not seeing a guy for a few years. So one of the questions that I always get is, do you draft for need? And definitely not, especially in baseball. Like we're talking about guys that are going to be taken at 21 years old, 19, 18, 17 in some cases. And so, you know, the question I always get is like, oh, the Cubs need pitching, right? Like take a pitcher. Yeah, I'd love a pitcher too. And, and you know, if you can nab an ace, like grab an ace but you don't do it because you're looking at the major league team. Like that's going to be something that you, you know, a guy could spend five, six, sometimes even seven years in the minors and be totally on track. Like he's not even behind on the development curve. I
0: don't yeah, think they I want, mean, yeah. you know, some of the guys that people may not realize that were drafted a while back are names that are just coming up now and Steele and Thompson and those guys that are contributing. These are guys that were drafted a while back. Oh, totally. Steele's
1: a perfect example, right? Like, as you see what he's doing in the big leagues, he was, um, and maybe we'll get to slotting here in a little bit, but he was in what we would call an over-slot signing because of the Kyle Schwarber uh, pick in 2014. And now he's doing what he's doing. He finally made his debut last year, and and we're seeing kind of the fruits of all that. He had a Tommy John in, in the middle of it, some injuries, but like, look at what he's doing, but he's on track. And it's, it's a long process. That was, that was seven years from when he made his debut. So it, it's just one of those things where it's like you have to evaluate things way down the line. People love to look at like the day after the draft, the, the grades, who got an A, who got an F, whatever, right? Football, basketball, like, okay, like maybe you could do that, right? Like you can probably get a good idea. And like a year later, you can probably do that. Baseball? Honestly, man, I don't even want to see it, right? Because I won't even want to see it for five years, probably six or seven years. So it's just totally looking at things in a really broad level. Um, Baseball is a little different. We're talking 20 rounds, and that's down from where it used to be at 40. So 20 rounds, you're talking about building this big class versus basketball where like your first rounder's is the key. And maybe if you get like Io, you know, you get a second rounder who, who turns out to be great. That's awesome. But that's totally different. Football, you're talking seven rounds. You know, it's just a very different group building in baseball. Um, It's why I kind of dig it. But you know,
0: it's 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 a different beast. And and it's kind of why these two things go in hand in hand is not only just drafting and scouting, but also development. Like you need all three of those things to kind of work out, so that all of these players, you may have picked the right player, but if they don't get developed properly then it looks like, oh, you made a bad pick when that pack pick may not have been bad at all.
1: Oh, 100%, man. That That's spot on, right? Because you can look at, there are teams, I'll I'll kind of keep uh, the specifics out of it, but there's teams that, that I've talked to, to scouts about that said, I really wish that team hadn't taken him because he's not going to be as good. Um, and that was in a previous year. And so, you know, that we look at certain players where we're like, if that player goes to these few organizations, they're going to kill it because they're so good at X, Y, and Z. If this guy goes to here, maybe the talent just wins out. Maybe he's traded down the line. Like you never know, but it's all about like everything together. And I do think, now a little bit of Homerism right here. Like I'll, I'll own it. I'll own it. But I do think that the, what the Cubs are building in recent years with a lot of their turnover and infrastructure, they really are like trying to build more of a, a big collaborative group is that here are the things that we know that we can adjust or improve or perfect in the minors and at the major league level. And then here are the players that we think fit that. So you've got to have scouting talking to all of the other folks with like the hitting and the pitching group. You want to talk about Craig Breslow and all that. You want to make sure that the, That the people you're bringing in are the people you're actually going to make be better. Otherwise, you're kind of just wasting everybody's time and potentially that person's future career.
0: Now, you know, I always look at things as uh, pre Theo and post Theo. And pre Theo, you know, the Cubs had a lot of bad knocks as far as their scouting, developing, and so Theo Jed and Jason McLeod comes in. It was really Jason McLeod who was in charge of the scouting and player development for most of the time that he was here twenty twas 2012 to 2019, roughly where he was running a lot of those drafts and it looked like the Cubs did really well when it came to the first rounders, especially the top 10 picks. You know, you talk about Albert Almora, Chris Bryant, Kyle Schwarber, Ian Happ kind of all kind of go into there. Um, But always seem to kind of struggle after that first round. Would you say that's a fair statement?
1: You know, I think it would with the exception of one year. Let's take 2018 out of it because Jason McLeod nailed that 2018 draft, like absolutely killed it. So we'll take that one out of it, but everything else you're spot on, right? Like we're talking Chris Bryant and, and Hey, he gets, he gets a little bit of hate, but like Albert Almora made it to the majors. I hate to say it in the draft. That's honestly like an okay outcome. It's not what we wanted. Right. But like made it to the majors. Uh, Cal Schwarber, Chris Bryant Ian Happ, who's an all-star now all made it to the majors first rounds with college bats they killed it it was a different landscape in baseball at the time but like, yeah, it worked and hey, they are wearing rings for it so that strategy did work after that yeah, man, I, it was a struggle right? Like you saw players that Dwayne Underwood was a big uh slot sign, like a it was technically like the first round. It's hard to explain in, in 2012, but he was one of their first picks that was after like the, the Alberta Mora pick in 2012. Well, we didn't see much production at, from him at the majors. Paul Blackburn is actually a little bit of Jason McLeod vindication here is an all-star for Oakland this season. So that's exciting. But this is a guy that was drafted in 2012. We're talking 10 years, you know, prior. And, and he was actually in the uh, Mike Montgomery deal a lot of those players later in the draft really have not had much of an impact. One exception in recent years, and this is due to the player development group. And this is just frankly due to him busting his butt. uh, And that's Keegan Thompson because he was a, I hope I don't get that wrong. Fourth rounder in 2017. And that guy busted his butt in the alternate site totally remade himself as a person, has continued to kill it in the offseason. We're seeing what he's doing now. That's a little bit of vindication later. Now, I mentioned 2018 as the exception, and that's totally true. That draft was awesome. We're not just talking Nico Horner in the first round, who's great. We're talking Brennan Davis, who is their top prospect, pretty, pretty unanimously outside of Baseball America, and I think they're kind of being trendy there, <clears throat> but Brennan Davis is, is a stud. He's the absolute truth. Uh, hopefully he comes back strong here pretty soon. Cole Rotor has dealt with some injuries, but actually he's looking really good at double a Tennessee. Um, there's a, but if you go down that draft, there's like five, six, seven, maybe even eight guys that might make it to the majors from that class. And that's pretty damn impressive. So that one's awesome. Um, but yeah, like if you look at it pretty broadly, I would say Jason McLeod nailed their first rounders almost every season. Afterwards, you know, a few guys here or there who are busting through. Um, and then 2018, which is great. And
0: 2019, that's when Dan Kantrovitz comes in. And then,
1: yeah, at the end of 2019. End of 20,
0: October, right?
1: Yeah. Totally October
0: right. 2019, he comes in and I was excited, not knowing probably as much as you do about him, but when all of a sudden I looked at his resume and you take a look at Cardinals and A's, now I know Cardinals get supplemental picks in their sleep, but when you talk about the Cardinals and the A's, those are two teams, regardless of how often they win, because like all the other sports, you know, the more you win, the, the further away you pick from the top 10, which is where you're most likely going to succeed, but in your picks, but the Cardinals and A's consistently do a good job of that. What we talked about scouting, drafting development. You've had the opportunity to talk to Dan, to Dan Kantrovitz a couple of times. What do you learn from talking about Dan as far as his, his kind of how he looks at the draft and scouting and developing?
1: Yeah, totally. He's, very generous with his time. I mean, it's been, you know, the lead up to the draft and he's, you know, willing to spend like an hour and kind of talking about things, which is really great. <clears throat> really one of the better human beings in, in baseball. That, And I hear that from out, outside the Cubs as well. So Dan's strategy, I mean, I think you kind of nailed it a little bit with the Cardinals and the A's right because they're almost and we can say it because definitely because the Cardinals it's so annoying right <laughs> they just get these guys in like the eighth round and it's like you gotta be kidding me I've never heard of him this is like a made-up name in MLB the show and he's popping off for three home runs in the series but like that's what the Cardinals consistently do and it's so frustrating well Dan was a big part of that right like they're bringing out these guys and and you go deeper in these drafts and they're still getting contributors. Um, actually, one guy that was one of Dan's first picks, it was technically, again, that 2012 draft was really strange. is when things changed. Technically a first rounder, Patrick Wisdom, doing things here in Chicago. He's none of the one of those guys that took a really long time. A little bit of like karmic universe justice uh, that he's popping off and, and good for him. But <clears throat> the strategy that, I would generally say not that he's given anything away is that you look at things pretty broadly. Like you want to get contributions from the entire draft, right? Like, and, and that's great. And his, what he's done in the past makes sense with that. It's where, if you look at where the Cubs have picked in the last two years, they've generally just let the board fall their way. And that's a really exciting thing because I'll go pre Theo on this it almost seemed like they would have a player in mind and they just come hell or high water. That person's the pick and like, okay, if it's the right player, fine. Maybe you do that every once in a while, but not, not trying to, to rag on the guy. Like they took Hayden Simpson in 2010 and Jim Callis was trying to remember who he, who was a noted draft analyst was trying to remember who he even was. And they took him in the first round and it, didn't work out that was pre-theo i don't think that jason mcleod did that but i do like how dan cantovich just lets the board fall his way ed howard was rumored to have deals potentially in the works uh with the angels up at 11 in 2020 and and somewhat on the board actually with the white Sox. he was there for the cubs at 16 they just didn't question they took him last year jordan wicks was not supposed to be anywhere close to pick 21. And I was consistently hearing like, oh, this guy is like 10 to 15 range at the latest. He's there on the board. The Cubs don't question it. They just take the best player and figure it out from there. And then they were aggressive in going after players that they found were going to be impact later. And that's where I'm really kind of jazzed about it. They took a kid in the second round that I was a huge fan of, and that's James Toronto's. That draft last year is looking really, really good. Um, and they were aggressive. They let the board go their way, but they also had the conviction and just saying, like, we will not be contained. Like, this is the guy we're bringing into the system. And that's a fun kind of companionship right there.
0: Yeah, Trianto's looking okay and, uh, with the Emerald Beach Pelican team. Huh?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Birds are hot. Definitely.
0: Birds are hot. And so now that we're taking a look here, we're now here in 2022. The Cubs pick seventh. That's going to be this Sunday. What are you going to be looking at as as all of a sudden this starts happening? What what are some players that look to slot right where the Cubs are going to be around seven?
1: Totally. So I'll give a a brief kind of – F, you know, FYI here is that the, the feedback that I've gotten from people, not necessarily with the Cubs, but just all throughout baseball is this Sunday could be chaos. And and that's kind of fun. Like if, if you're tuning into that and you're already kind of a draft fan, like this is going to be pretty wild is what I've heard. Uh, certainly not chalk uh, as far as a drafting strategy, but <clears throat> we can talk about a few players that are probably somewhere in that range. So for those that are like, gotta have a pitcher that are watching this. I hate to break it to you. This is not really a strong pitching group. So chances are it's going to be a hitter. Could be high school, could be college, but probably going to be a hitter. There's a few players that I would say, you know, probably intrigue the Cubs a little bit more and are kind of right in that range. One of them that's been talked about for a while is Cam Collier, son of Lou Collier. Now he he really bet on himself. He's actually supposed to be a high school junior going into his senior year. He graduated early, so he'd be eligible for the draft, but then enrolled in junior college. As a 17 year old, he's playing against 21, 22, a couple 23 year olds. And that's a big talent difference, right? Like in high school, maybe you gear up for like the one matchup where some guys like throw in 92 and you got, you know, get jazzed for it once a month. Every game they're playing uh, at his junior college program, they're facing 95 and locating. It's it's pretty impressive. And, and you're, and you're also
0: talking about just, just the size difference. You <clears throat> oh, know, from totally. a 17-year-old to a 22-year-old, your body type is completely different.
1: Oh, yeah. And it's a lot more games and it's more of a grind. Like, it was a really impressive stretch. And he he did it well. He answered those questions. So he's fun. He's honestly played his way to the point that some people feel he may not even be there at seven, which breaks my heart a little bit. But you know, Cam's a great kid, huge on makeup, and and would be awesome. There's other some other college bats that I think we should kind of pay attention to. There, um, <clears throat> Brooks Lee is a shortstop, probably future third baseman out in Cal Poly, which is not a big program. He actually. This has been reported, so I, I'm not like breaking any news here, but he had offers. Uh, actually, the Cubs were one of the, the clubs in 2019 that had a pretty sizable first-round offer to him. I believe the Dodgers are one of the others there. He said, nope, I'm playing for my dad in college, and he's gone, and he's answered those questions. So he's actually a switch hitter. Again, I probably going to be a third baseman, probably not a shortstop, uh, but hits really well, makes great contact. Kind of the knock on him is... Is he a future superstar? Eh, People don't really think superstar, but like really damn good. And so that's why his name may be called up there. He's not like the sexy pick, but he's really, really good. And still has all-star potential there.
0: And just remember, just because they play shortstop, that's not where they're going to finish up. I don't know if everyone remembers back in the day, everyone was complaining because we had too many shortstops when you had Addison Russell, you had Javi Baez, you had Starling Castro, uh, you had, uh, God, Who else? I mean, it was just a nonstop.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: uh, I mean, Glaber
1: Torres -Torres. was in the system at the same time. Yeah,
0: it doesn't matter. I mean, those are usually your most athletic guys and they can play around the diamond pretty well.
1: Totally. Take shortstops and center fielders, and probably catchers and you're and throw in a handful of pitchers and you're going to be pretty good. Um, You know, I mentioned Cam or Cam Collier earlier. He was a shortstop. Once you get to junior college, they're like, no, 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 no. (laughs) But, you know, I mean, that's the kind of thing where you just take athletic guys and you figure it out at the end. And Hey, sometimes people surprise you. The knock on Nico Horner coming out in 2018 was like, Ooh, I don't think he's a shortstop long-term. Well, he busted it. And now he's, he's looked fantastic at short. So, you know, never bet against these guys. There's a lot of pro instruction and and body changes and athleticism changes that can happen. But I would say Brooks would be one of the other guys to pay attention to, certainly there.
0: And uh, a couple other names that kind of get thrown around, uh, Drew Gilbert.
1: Yeah, so I threw him out there. Um, That's some feedback that I got, not necessarily from the Cubs, but I asked around to a couple people and I said, hey, like, what if, if something surprised you in the top 10, you know, or, would look like a surprise, but not surprise you. What would it be? And I heard college outfielder. I threw his name out there and they said, yeah, that actually fits the profile. You know, I could see that happening. I'm paraphrasing. So it's not the exact quote, but you know, I I think that drew Gilbert is a, is a guy now he's five foot nine. He plays with the moxie of a seven footer. I'll tell you that (laughs) he is (laughs) um, absolutely like a fiery personality. Not everybody's gonna like it, but somebody's gonna love it, and that's that's something that I've thrown out there as well. And he hits the ball like crazy. He doesn't chase the ball. He really makes good contact. He hits the crap out of the ball. And so he might be five foot nine. Plays a really good center field. Plays for a premier program in Tennessee. Is not afraid of the stage. And so I think that that's another name to to watch for. And I've thrown out uh, Zach Neto a few times, and and they they've been linked to Zach. Uh, a few times as well. He actually entered the season with Javi Baez comparisons, which I always bristle because there is there is one hobby, right? Like, <laughs> I don't comp anybody to Javi because there is only one hobby. But Zach has a big leg kick, and I think that that's kind of what people are looking at. Big leg kick, big arm. Uh, plays a really good shortstop. He's from Campbell uh, University uh, down in North Carolina, which is one of their Ace Scouts kind of areas. They're the same kind of area that James Toronto's is from. <clears throat> and Zach was interesting because I didn't originally have him this year as a first rounder, but the feedback that I've gotten is you need to pay attention to Zach. Like the way he hits the ball, he makes good contact. He hits the crap out of the ball and he's looking to launch. So he kind of does everything you want. And when you stack him up against like college DHS college, first baseman, he's like right there. So you get that kind of a profile, but you get it at shortstop. And that's really, really impressive. So it may not be the the player that I think some would look at and say like, oh man, like I'm so glad that he's there. But that might be a really, really good pick. So I don't know. My, my top strategy is, hey, one of the top guys falls and will sign. That's a no-brainer. But a few of these other names, if you have them there at seven, I wouldn't blink an eye.
0: Now, what, what do you see as is, is after that first round? Then, then where do they go there in the war room with Dan Kantrovitz?
1: Yeah, so I think they're going to – I mean, I'm, this isn't from Dan, obviously. He's not going to reveal the, you know, the whole strategy, of course. But I think mirroring what they did last year, which is they found their guy at one. You know, Take him there. Don't question about it. Anchor your draft right there. But afterwards be aggressive for some of the players that you really think like these are future contributors maybe even future all-stars so a name i'll throw out there is uh is actually henry bolt um that's a potential player he's in the palo alta area and man he has huge power um outfielder out of high school just really impressive player like you see you watch him play and you're like this guy's amazing. Probably need some tweaks to his swing to get to make a little bit more contact. And that's something that, you know, behind the scenes, there have been a few articles in The Athletic, and I've heard kind of similar stuff that, hey, the Cubs feel pretty good about certain players getting them to make more contact so that they can let that power just play. Nelson Velasquez is a perfect example of a guy that up until about midseason last year, it wasn't really looking that impressive. He made some adjustments um, and some of those have been public and now he's in the major leagues and he's been cranking it. He is a player that you look at and you say, those are amazing tools. Those are like unbelievable power tools, speed tools. If we can find that kind of player, that'd be really exciting. So I think like a Henry Bolt, um, a pitcher like J.R. Ritchie, uh, who's a right-handed pitcher actually out in my neck of the woods up in the Pacific Northwest, really good mover. Uh, really good mechanics. And that's another thing where like, look at what the Cubs did with steel. Look at the, what the Cubs did with Thompson um, and some of their other minor leaguers like Jordan Wicks and say, this is the building blocks, but we can teach him these sweeper sliders. We can teach him these curveball, these change ups um, a new way to grip your fastball to get better ride on it. We can teach these things. And so at, I think that that would be a really good avenue, but I think they're going to shoot for somewhat of a, you know, a really solid first round pick and then really go after some very impressive toolsy players in the following rounds.
0: Well, Greg, uh, it's going to be a busy weekend for you guys. I'm excited. Where can people find more of your draft analysis?
1: Hey, I appreciate it, Crowley. Always love getting on here and talking draft. You can find me at Ivy Futures um, and also Northsidebound.com. Love writing that site with uh, Todd Johnson, Greg Huss, Jimmy Nelligan, who I know, you know, have been friends and, and supporters of the show as well. So, you know, just really looking forward to it. Hit me up on there and uh, just look forward to just a fantastic draft and weekend and let's go kill it. Go
0: Cubs. I'm sure you, I'm sure you got a lot of Red Bull ready. So good luck to you, Greg, and thanks for coming on.
1: Hey, thanks, man. Appreciate it.